Welcome back to the Brushback Baseball Podcast. This yep. is episode number six. Six. That's good. Six. I'm glad I'm actually here today because I don't know if people noticed last week, but I was struggling to get through. I had I had this terrible post-nasal nasal drip. I still have it a little bit, but I couldn't talk. So Tyler had to... Tyler actually did a great job cutting like 10 different times. Yeah, he, he's giving me extra work each time he had to cut. So <laughs> hopefully today's better. Yeah, I'll, I should be able to make it through it. So um, what do we, you know, this is no longer Major League Baseball. We're now kind of on uh, the Astros network 24-7. It's taken over the sport. Yeah, it's no longer Major League Baseball. It's just, we just cover Houston Astros, it feels like. <laughs> We've been trying to avoid talking about them constantly but it just it, it keeps coming back and there's something new coming out every single day yeah i don't i don't think people understand how little we want to talk about this subject and how it's i mean it's taken over the sport it, um so what's what's happened since we last talked well and that's the other thing too is something's coming out every day and we you know we're, we're putting out weekly videos so there i feel like there's so much that happens in that week that we have to backtrack and cover so I know, and it, it, and we haven't even heard from Beltran's niece again yet, uh, which will be you're calling whole, for it. You're waiting for it. it it'll happen. It'll happen. And Beltran hasn't spoken. He's been quiet. Yeah. Um, we, you know, I'm sure Major League Base. Why don't we? Why don't we talk about what happened? People came back for spring training, right? It was a big story, and uh, and so everybody knew that. Uh, that the Astros were going to talk and, and have a big press conference about it and show their regret. And uh, I read that there were three reporters at the Washington Nationals, the champions of, uh, of baseball's uh, first day of spring training. There were like 75 at the Astros yeah. thing, which should tell you how terrible it was. So what happened was Jim Crane, the owner, met with the team. They devised a strategy on how to communicate and then decided to blow it all up. Anybody who watched Jim Crane by now, the owner of the Astros, laughing that uh, that he said that it didn't, in his opinion, affect the outcome of the games. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody's basically saying the same thing. It's like, how can you say, oh, yeah, hey, we're, we're sorry for something, but hey, it didn't affect anything, you know. It right. just doesn't make sense. And it, I mean, that's showing from the top. I mean, your owner, if your owner's, you know, kind of doing that and that, how it's trickling down, you know, right. Um, just not taking ownership. And I like what Bauer said in his tweet. You might know, actually be able to quote it better than I, than I can, but, um, he said, you're either, you're either actually, you're, you're either, uh, stupid or you're lying basically. And you don't become a billionaire by, by being, being stupid. stupid. True. Uh, there are some dumb billionaires out there. Um, but so it was Jim Crane who was just made a fool of himself. Um, I, as a human being, I don't know how you can not see yourself talking like that and know I'm sounding like an idiot. Yeah, it just he, wasn't. And, and from what, what he said and then following up with what Bregman and Altuve said after was just almost painful to watch like with, with I, the way uh, to me more the way that Bregman was yeah. speaking than Altuve. Altuve was a little bit better I thought, but Bregman is colorful colorful of a character as he is for him to just I mean it it was the most scripted thing 
you've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, I mean, he's the most brash guy. Not the most. I mean, he, he's like a Yasiel Puig level brash uh, player. And then to have him uh, fake being contrite, uh, anybody could see through it. And I think, in part, that's what also pissed off the Astros or um, everybody around baseball about the Astros. So then the player, uh, players from other teams got their chance to speak now that everybody's reported back to spring training. So Cody Bellinger had some pretty fiery words. Um, he went back and forth with Carlos Correa. Yeah, so then uh, Carlos Correa responded to that with Ken Rosenthal um, uh, in a nine-minute nine interview or something like that and told the uh, reigning MVP to shut the F up. Um, that probably doesn't bode too well for uh, showing that you're contrite. And then, uh, I don't know if you saw this. This was great. With the Ken Rosenthal interview, Ken asked, did you guys have their signs in the playoffs? And uh, Correa said no. no, which ends up being a lie that Manfred shot down. But if you listen to his voice, it's a nine-minute interview. It's at one minute and 45 seconds. He sounds like Mickey Mouse on Helium. No! Gotta go back and listen to it now. It, it's, it's, Maybe I'll put a link in it. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and then it just went from there. You had, what did Judge say? I mean, uh, basically the the same thing. They started out asking, I forget who was interviewing him, but how he took down a tweet congratulating Jose Altuve That's back right. in the tw- when he won the 2017 uh, AL MVP. Um, and obviously Bellinger called out and, and said, hey, basically, people don't realize that Altuve stole the AL MVP from Judge in 2017. Yep. Which, you know. He did. Yeah. And then... Um, and then uh, I think the biggest signal is Mike Trout, too. Yeah. A consensus top player in baseball says that, that that trophy should be stripped. And for me, hearing Trout chime in on this was the kind of like really solidifies how, how much of an impact this is having. Trout, who is always, you know, kind of, I mean, he's the poster boy for Even how, how you should be in the public, and he doesn't say much. Everything's always positive, but when he's coming out and saying this, I mean, that speaks volumes. And you know that if 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 the best player in baseball is feeling this way, I mean, it's kind of widespread across for yeah. all the players. And then Justin Turner decided to expand and and took uh, direct hits on uh, Manfred uh, too. After Manfred said something stupid, which was that it's just the trophy is a piece of metal. Um, I kind of get that in a way. It's a stupid way of saying it, but, uh, and the players, that's what they go for. But in today's social media world, you're pretty much, nobody, nobody is going to think that the trophy's worth anything. Yeah. I, I mean, but I, I, I thought Manfred just chose poor words there. I yeah. don't think he actually was trying to like, you know, obviously devalue the world series trophy and, you know, he, I, and I thought his apology saying, Hey, you know, I just, I, I, should have phrased it in a different manner, but I was trying to make a point. Yeah. So I, I kind of believe in there, but you know, you still can't say that as a commissioner. No, no. And that, you know, there's a funny life lesson in this too, is you have all these people, including Manfred making tens of millions of dollars a year. 
and they still say some of the dumbest stuff. So for anybody out there who doesn't have the confidence to start their own business or anything, trust me, there are a lot dumber people making a lot more money uh, that if you just focus on you. So you're telling me I can be the commissioner. I should I should go for that because I've also heard his, uh, you know, he might be out of a job if he doesn't handle yeah. this the right way. Well, I think I think we need to dominate the podcast uh, <laughs> game and then uh, and then run a half podcast, half commissioner's there office. There we go. I'll take over Joe Tillis. I might I might not be able to do the podcast much anymore. Why not? Well, I might, you know, I can't reveal some things, you know, maybe <laughs> conflict of in- interest. That's fine. I'll take over Joe Torrey's job. I'll start, I'll start uh, banning uh, Trevor Bauer every uh, every game for maybe trying to throw at somebody. There you go. Um, and then who else did you have? Uh, uh, well, you mean that's that, sp- that spoke out? Yeah. Um, Turner, yeah, Markakis though. You want to cover Markakis? Oh yeah, Markakis basically said they need to be beat up uh whether with baseballs or otherwise and that's that's pretty strong this is again the problem with manfred and not taking uh away the title uh if you're not going to punish the players and the cheating happened in the playoffs the the series title should be vacated that's what i said in episode one and it's it's not like I'm some magic foreteller. It's just, it's what's right and wrong, simply. So I think it's, it's what happens is you get people getting too aggressive the other way, and then somebody could get hurt. You know, there was a pitching coach that I had heard about, and he goes, he goes about, people don't realize this. When I throw batting practice, I have an L screen in front of me. I think Turner was saying or maybe Turner. Turner was saying, was saying, "Yeah, you see that when we're when guys are throwing live batting practice in the spring, like right now, they have an L screen in front of them, and that's that's for a reason." He's think he was saying that, thinking, "Hey, it's a, it could be a danger." Um, on the flip side, you know, if yeah, a batter knows what's coming and he hits a and he's on one and he hits a rocket back at the middle, hits somebody, you know, he's like, "It's that a lucky could be a thing danger." Somebody didn't get beamed in the head. Yeah. So Can you imagine if that happened and then it came back knowing that they knew all that. Yeah. It uh, that that pitcher would then have literally tens of millions of dollars in in legal claims, um, and Turner too also said you know he's a huge Miami Dolphins fan and Dan Marino's mm-hmm. career was defined by not winning a championship. Charles Barkley in basketball was defined by not winning a championship. This affects guys' careers. And well, and, and the biggest Kershaw. name Kershaw Kershaw keeps getting brought up because he's been single handedly beat by the Astros in that playoffs and. That was kind of where he's like Marino couldn't yeah. put it together in playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and it just got it got sillier as the thing went along because that Ken Rosenthal interview with Correa, he's also talking about uh, how Altuve got a terrible tattoo and then people are doing still frames of of his shirt when he's hugging the shirt. I know. And uh, people are dissecting every little piece that they can now just to try. And, and there see. were a bunch of memes that were like. Uh, Carlos Correa, hey Jose, you need to get a you need to get a tattoo. Why? I don't want a tattoo. Well, uh, <laughs> you kind of have to now. I'll drive. Well, tell you. me, what do you? How do you feel about Correa? How he kind of came and defended Altuve like that? I mean, if it's the tattoo, or, uh, let's just say that's all. You know, I mean, let's just let's just assume it's one hundred percent true and everything. 
why wouldn't Altuve say something? Or why does why does Correa feel the need to come out and say something about that? I think because the determination was made that uh, Jose was more guilty than most with Bregman, and that somebody should be a speaker, and Correa was going to be his speaker. But the problem is, you will probably appreciate this. Anybody that plays baseball or sports uh, at that level appreciates. Um, the competitive juices start going. So whereas he sounded great the first day after the Bregman interview, Correo sounded mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. apologetic. Yeah, because everybody was saying he gave the most genuine interview. and Yeah, and then um, Cody Bellinger gives his response. Then the competitive juices of, I'm not going to let this guy show me up as a baseball player, uh, start hitting. And that's why he went into his hyper-aggressive mode, which made it worse. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's the thing. It's like, I, I mean, I guess I like the fact that he's going to defend his teammate and, yeah. about Altuve and, you know, which is what he would do in a clubhouse. Right. But, you know, he, it, that's it, in this situation, just let you know, silence is probably golden. Do you know um, the smartest comment or the smartest response I heard was uh, yesterday? Somebody asked Dusty Baker about Marquecas's comments and Dusty Baker said, I'm not going to comment on everybody's comments, which is the smartest thing. And we mm-hmm. talked about how smart uh, Dusty is. Yeah, it, it, you know that that's the thing. If they said, "Look, we're sorry," we went. It would even make more sense if they would say, "Look, we uh, baseball such a competitive sport. Everybody thinks that everybody's stealing. Our desire to win clouded our judgment." And for that, we're sorry. And that's the that's the only comment that they end up giving. I think a lot of this would have gone away a lot quicker. Yeah. I don't know who's charging Jim Crane millions of dollars for crisis management, but he ought to get his money back because it's just bad. Yeah. Starts from, from the top down right there. Yep. And and that's the problem. Um, it just it just goes so. Dusty Baker's good. I think the new GM is good, but you're still going to have problems as long as Jim Crane keeps his mouth going. Yeah, so. I thought Dusty, obviously we've talked about Dusty, um, but also what he also said too with, um, you know, he's like, w- what's your response to to Marquecas saying everyone needs to get beat up? And he said, yeah, I, I don't do that. But he said, yeah, let, let him, let him come, come beat us. Right. Come, be, come beat us up. Yeah, I love that Vegas or some online places are having over-unders on the amount of uh, hit batsmen this year. <laughs> 83 and a half is the number. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Maybe if there's a, maybe if there's a, a gambler out there that's listening to us, you'll tell us t- which way to lay that. I'll take the under. You'll take the under. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're going to get a few guys, especially in spring training that, uh, take their shot. But after no that consequence, basically. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, nothing. Suppo- now here's an interesting thing. The players didn't get sus- suspended in the Astros. A debacle because management didn't tell it to the players, right? It, management didn't communicate the new video rules to the Astros players for 2017. Okay. That's why they were spared of suspensions. If let's say I thought they were spared suspensions because the union they negotiated that with Manfred, saying that they have they need to have. Immunity. Immunity. Well, the immunity was because the players not never got the memo. Okay. So there was, 
they would be suspended for something they didn't know was against the rules is the argument and the union would have likely won on that here's an interesting question i have for you if uh uh wait the reds uh manage i always get schilt and snicker mixed up uh snicker is braves is the braves who's the reds oh my gosh i know i'm blanking yeah let's say not price no i forget let's say the reds manager doesn't tell bauer about the new policy of suspensions about throwing at people's heads does get a loophole right there it's the same loophole the astros got for their suspension good point so i you know if if uh if terry francona doesn't tell uh clevenger you know, I said that in the last in the last podcast too, and I was like, "Oh, you know, Bauer's going to go after him." Right. And I thought, "Oh, he's with the Reds; he's in the National League." He and he's in Arizona, while the Astros are in Florida. He's not going to get a yeah, shot. He's at not going to get a shot. Um, yeah, unless it's in the postseason. I think he's probably it, he's probably begging to get traded to the Phillies. Here's or the question, and if you're watching, and comment on what you think. The end. What what you guys think? If Bauer faces the Astros in the postseason, does he go after somebody intentionally? Well, he's not going to because Dodgers will be there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I would think I just knowing I'm, Bauer, I, w- would he hold the grudge? I, I don't know him, so I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out if he gets a World Series or if he gets traded. Yeah, um, I kind of do wish he gets traded to an AL team. <laughs> just I, I would just want to see it. Yeah, it, I think he's the one guy I really wanted to see face the Astros. Yeah, he. Well, there's there's some guys I, I kind of want. But with how vocal he's been this whole offseason oh, yeah. about it, you know, I mean, and, and he's been a guy who was calling them out with the with, with the, the, with the um, the RPMs. RPMs, yeah, with with using a foreign substance, and so he's been, you know, and I don't know, I think that same day that we published the last um, episode, he also came out with the the um, article in the players tribune that you sent me. Right. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a great article. Yeah. I, I really did. Um, I know that I know I said I was kind of a little bit on the fence with how he, um, how he came out with, with the, with the video on YouTube um, where he was just going after Manfred. Yep. I thought if he came out with the article first, did, I think that would have been the best way to put it is that first and then maybe go up with the YouTube. Yeah. But, but sometimes you want to create a show. Yeah. So that was hey, brought, it got me or brought some attention to it for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, uh, the way uh, I think he's doing a lot of the pickup for you know, for guys like Fires who didn't have a lot of cover early on. So he's protecting other guys in baseball who did the right thing. Yeah. So what's crazy about this whole thing and what we talked about was um, that this is going outside of other sports too. It's obviously bringing in a lot of attention, but just outside of the baseball world and. Um, like you talked, uh, LeBron James uh, tweeted something about Manfred, and um, you know he had his words. There's, there's people all outside of just this little baseball world, you know. Yeah, it, it's like Kobe's death. It's transcended the sport, and it, it's like a good and a bad thing. I think. I mean, all these guys who are hyper competitive, it it's it just hits them to the core, and that's kind of the problem. Where do we go from here? There's calls for Manfred to be fired. We'll see uh, if that happens. I also think 
I've, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. I think that knowing that the players' negotiations uh, with the union for a strike in two years are going to be going, it's kind of weird that they're getting like one big soundbite from each player every day to hit. It's almost like they're trying to to weaken Manfred going into the negotiations. Just wear like, him down. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a negotiation tactic in a way. I, it's a long ways off, but where do we go from here? I would still like to see the trophy vacated. I don't know if he can amend it, uh, his punishment. Buster Olney today wrote an article where he said he can get other uh, owners to censure the Astros and then take that censure, like uh, an actual written document, if you will, an asterisk to the 2017 World Series, and then take that to the players' union to have them ratify it. And it sounds weak because you're not actually taking the trophy away, but baseball will recognize that it officially has an asterisk. That sounds like an interesting compromise to me. Um, Well, something at this point. Because if you just let them keep it, I mean, it, um, I can't remember where I was listening to this too, but um, it's a lot of the, the frustration in this and from the players' perspective is too, is that it's like the Astros are being, you feel like the Astros and the players are all being protected when they are the villain. The, the villain. Yeah. And all of the other people outside of it are all the other players who are mostly affected by this aren't being heard out. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, robbing a bank and then saying, we'll let you keep the money, but we'll post your picture in the newspaper on the front page so that everybody knows that you're a bank robber. Mm-hmm. That's a good metaphor right there. Yeah. And well, that's from Colin Coward this okay. morning. <laughs> I, I'm not a smart thinker. Um, I just copy other people's stuff, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't even know if he can, I don't know if the bylaws with the teams say that once you've doled out a punishment, if you feel you need to do something else, can, can you can you change it? Can you change it? I don't know. We'll can see. Can you get your hands on those bylaws? Huh? I, you know what? They're actually public. Are no, they? no. Between the teams, I don't think they are. But I, I, I don't know. I don't care. I hope this story goes away. Oh, and there was one more thing before we make the story go away. Bolsinger. Oh yeah. As a player, suing. The Astros as a team. Yeah, we forgot to cover that last week. And lawsuits are going to start. I saw Astros season ticket holders starting to mm-hmm. sue. Um, you're you're going to get uh, more lawsuits, I think. And the problem with that is, I don't know if you've ever been involved in a lawsuit. I no, I've I uh, I've had some experience, and he might not win the case, but what he does get a chance at, he's got enough of a case to to uh, get discovery and discovery is the process of finding out what happened and that's not going to be an interview or a subpoena that Manfred is going to be able to control so Bolsinger's attorney would be able theoretically to subpoena um, Correa or Altuve and get his answers and then Manfred's got a whole new problem on his hands if his answers don't jive for the lawsuit, don't jive with what he told mm. the players' union. So hopefully, again, this story goes away. Because you know what? 
it's spring training. So why don't we actually cover <laughs> baseball? Yeah. The actual real game. Right, right, right. Oh, new, let's transition to a different story before okay. we get to spring training. I think this is something you can appreciate. Hopefully people out there can appreciate it. Uh, minor league baseball players, even after this, are underpaid for what they put in and everything. But they are getting pay bumps starting in 2021. Yeah, I forget. It was between, what, 50 to 72% yeah. of an increase, which... Of nothing, it's something. It's these. something. It's a, it's, a step in, it's a step in the right direction, for sure. I mean, I don't ever expect a minor league player to be paid near, like, you know... You're chasing a dream. Right. But you just have to be over the, over the threshold of minimum wage, which they're technically under if you look at how many hours right you're you're actually working yeah and, and yeah. i don't know if if this bump gets them over there or even close or what i didn't look at that but i don't i don't think so but i i'm just happy that i think it's being recognized and they're doing something about it right and, and what was it? you said the giants are doing they're going even above and beyond and they're giving each player what a 500 um so allowance what, for what, what the giants are doing is they're instituting it this year instead of next year when other teams are doing okay, it. Okay, okay. And giving them an allowance for housing. I don't know what that allowance is. The estimate on total cost, this is the silly thing about the business of baseball, to field four teams, four minor league teams, AAA, AA, high, low A, which is what this affects. It doesn't affect short season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have housing accommodations can cost a team between 500000 to a $1 million. So in the scheme of things, in the billions and billions of dollars worth of the business of baseball, this is equivalent to somebody that is a minor league, that is a, a, a 26th man on the roster. Interesting point. For four complete teams, mm-hmm. which just shows how little <laughs> they're getting paid. So when you were in low a uh, or high a how often would you get paid and how would you get paid you know i don't i don't actually remember but it was either bi-weekly i think it was bi-weekly okay um and i don't remember exact amounts either but i mean essentially i was like my rookie ball season i remember my first check i was it was like i think like four or $500 or something. So it's, it started out there and then you would get like an additional $100 for each year of service that you had. So that would bump up. But I think I was, when I was in low, I think I was probably making like 1200 a month. And you had a host family that you were with, so you didn't have to worry about there. No, I lived with, um, I lived with three guy, uh, four guys, um, in an apartment and we all just split it. And I want to say it was about 800, um, it was about 800 a month when we were, cause we were in Iowa and it was not a nice apartment. It was downtown Davenport, not really great. And so we each, you know, paid 200 bucks a month just to keep it low. But then you also have obviously your, your eating expenses and then your, um, you, know, you have to tip the clubbies. Um, but it's just, you know, that's part of minor, <laughs> minor league. Life. It's not a lot that you have to pay for. I mean, and then, you know, we're a bunch of, most of us either single guys or just, you know, guys living on our own. 
and, and we're rarely ever in our apartment. So you don't get furniture. You just have like you have air mattresses and, yeah, and you have like a futon. Right. And for the other no furniture. Crashes. So when, um, so did, did you have a job or did some of the other guys have a side job too? No, there's no time. No time for that. So the only time that you get to work then is, or work work is, is off season and you got to make, your ends meet in the off season. Yeah. And you know, there are, yeah, a lot of guys work in the off season. Um, I, I knew a lot of guys that work because you don't get paid in the off season from minor or from, you know, major league baseball. I think it was Clevenger who said like he worked like double shift and then he had to work out at 3am in the morning, which is what pissed him off. Like he put that work in, but, uh, he, so he, it's just such a foreign concept that you're working 15, 18 hour days. Some days, if you've, if you've got a bunch of stuff, I mean, you're, you're in the ballpark from 6am, 7am on a, not all the time, but some days. No, you don't, you don't, you don't really get to the, to the ballpark. Usually like a, a normal schedule is, you know, you say your game gets done at, you know, if a game's at seven o'clock that night, um, you usually get done at around what ten ten thirty if it's a three three and a half hour game right um, sorry um yeah, so you go um till about ten thirty you shower uh get something to eat um which they have at the field, and so you're probably at home at like you know eleven ish around there um and if you want any downtime after that was like your your kind of time to decompress so usually. We'd stay up till, you know, either one in the morning, maybe sometimes two, fall asleep. And then you, you know, wake up somewhere around 10 and then you kind of, I, I used to wake up around 10 was usually my kind of time. Uh, I never set really an alarm though. So just around 10. Right. And then I would either, you know, probably go into the ballpark around your batting practice isn't until like two ish or something, two what or about three. Gym work? Gym, yeah. It just depended what, uh, if you had that. If you had a um, workout that day, um, mm-hmm. you'd go usually around the morning, like 10, 11, um, sometimes a little later. Or it was just kind of like, hey, here's your time. Go in and get it done. So you could kind of go in whenever. But, yeah, I, I would probably show up to the ballpark around like 12, 1230 and just kind of hang out. I like to be around the ballpark, go, maybe go hit in the cage or just, you know. So so essentially, I mean, yeah, you could be there from noon till 10 but there's obviously longer periods of when you're there but you know on both sides of it right when you add two travel days when you got to add on top of that too so extra innings yeah (laughs) what did you do rain delay what was the longest game extra innings? i remember um it was in double a we were in tulsa and this is obviously so this is the um a game that we had to leave immediately after we had to get on a bus and then go to the next town because we had a another series in another town so we were ending in 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 tulsa and i think the game went into like the 16th inning and it was and we had also gone through like several like rain delays because there were just thunderstorms all throughout so like it it was just one of those that just dragged out on and on um but yeah it was like it was probably like I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Probably four and a half plus, maybe five hours or something. Were you in the game the entire time? or No. No, because at that point I was a bench guy. So I came in to pinch hit actually in a situation I think where 
like two outs of the the go ahead run was at third or something and like i popped out or flew out to center i think and so i was out the rest of the game though because i was pinch hitting for the pitcher what do you do that entire time when you're when you're a bench player and you've got a four and a half hour game well clearly i didn't do it well enough <laughs> I know. You're supposed to, I mean, ideally you're, you're kind of locked in. I mean, as a bench guy, you have to stay locked in and kind of ready for your opportunity once it, at any point, you know? Right. Um, even if a guy just goes down, you, you gotta be ready to go in or, you know, just knowing when the situation comes up, um, when you'd possibly pinch hit or go in for a defensive replacement. So, um, yeah, it's not easy to do. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, that's why when I see those guys who are so good off the bench, I mean, that is one of the most – I think people don't really realize how hard that is. And when guys are good at it, I mean, it's kudos to them. Yeah, I I have a lot of – I still think one of my favorite Dodgers of the early 90s is Dave Hansen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who, I remember Dave Hansen. Who was just great at that. I think it was like the Dodger career. He played – or he played with the Angels too. Yeah, for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like now, like guys like, um, like Greg Garcia, who I played with, um, he was with, with the Padres, with right? the, yeah, he's with the Padres now, or I think he's still with the pod. He was last season. Um, but he was with the Cardinals too, but I used to watch, watch him. I still watch him when he comes in off the bench and it's just, he's a p- true professional. Well, you have, uh, I think a different dynamic in baseball now. I still appreciate those guys. I think about Almedo signs too, who played with the Dodgers cut on oh, look, keep it wrong. Koa, I can't talk, buddy. What? We don't need the remote, buddy. You don't need it. Koa, I can't. Koa, I told you I am in the middle of this. I can't do it right now. Oh man, that child. That child of mine. I hate that. I apparently forgot to pay the forty dollar medical bill. <laughs> they send you collections. Apparently. <laughs> it was for my um my back surgery last March and they didn't process half of the claims until like August, September. Oh. And then I just kind of lost track of it and then whatever. I'll pay it today, I promise. <laughs> we were talking about Olmedo signs um, and bench players. Yeah. Well, <laughs> are I'll, we going back now? We're, it's, it's just rolling because then I can just, once it's, I sync it up one time and then once I cut wherever it is, I cut the audio and the video together. Got it. All right. Back. So what were you going to say? <laughs> well, Sorry, everyone. My three-year-old's home with me today, and he uh, he needed some help. My three-year-old's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, 
No, I think we were just talking about, um, I, I mentioned Greg Garcia. Um, we were talking about Greg Garcia, and I, I think I was going to bring up... You said point. that there, um, you, there's a different dynamic yeah. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in baseball now. That different dynamic is, whereas, whereas you had your, your, your uh, locked-in positions used to have a pinch hitter who used to came in. Now, it didn't start with the Dodgers, but knowing the Dodgers... You have guys, Chris Taylor and Kike Hernandez, who would have filled the traditional pinch hitter role, but they're actually more plug-in play, different places. And I think that's that's a trend that's kind of been replacing the strict pinch hitter. Yeah. It used to be that a team, you know, for whatever pre-analytical thing would say, hey, this 220 hitter is a great second baseman for us, and then this guy will be a pinch hitter for well, us. Well, I, I think guys are getting... I mean, it's because guys are so good now. I mean, for the Dodgers, like we talked about, and even last week was those two guys off your bench. They're not really they, they could be starters on other teams. Yeah, you yeah. know, and all and both of those specifically, they can play multiple positions. Uh, yeah, they can play basically uh, five positions: left, right, uh, second, short, and third, and then on a pinch, center, or maybe first. Yeah. So, uh, you know, surprising to me, you know who the Dodgers, up until 2018 for a few years, who their third string catcher was? Up until what year? 2018. Uh, 20, actually, 2019. Well, it wasn't Barnes because Barnes was a starter at one point. Will Smith. Um, they, was it last year they brought out Russell Martin? What? Who? CSL Puig. Oh, that. We've been calling for uh, fans of of the Dodgers have been calling for Puig to get into catcher's gear for like oh god that would look I have an, an appreciation for catchers because after when my when my career was tailing off they were thinking hey you know maybe we're gonna transition me to a catcher because I had a really good arm right um, and nope, nobody's stealing on Puig no but. Gosh, that is I I jumped in when I was in Double A and and caught bullpens and my god I mean I I just have a new appreciation. That's with just trying to catch bullpens with guys throwing you know ninety five plus and just getting thrown into it and never doing it was really tough. I was trying to catch kids throwing forty five on Friday and and you know they're all over the place. So oh you you just get your body just gets like abused and I and that's not even catching a full game that was catching a bullpen for yeah. me. Yeah. It, so any catchers out there, I totally found an, I played baseball my whole life growing up and always, I don't think I valued what a catcher does consistently enough. I always knew the, obviously they were, it was a, it was a huge defensive position and you know, that was where the value was, but until you get back there and actually do it, I, I didn't have that appreciation until I did that. Yeah. My stepbrother, I'm not saying anything derogatory. He was not a very good baseball player but good enough, and he was a catcher, that it got him a, f a pretty much a full-ride scholarship to an Ivy League school because he was a catcher. Um, I remember hearing an interview with uh, Roy Campanella saying why he became a catcher. And he said all the, because uh, this was while segregation was going on still, um, all the kids in the Negro Leagues go to, go to what position you want to play, and nobody was playing catcher. So he said, I'll do it. And then, hey, fastest way to the big leagues is, is is as a catcher. Yeah, either you're a left-hander who throws 100 or you're a catcher. Yeah. And I could do neither. 
Well, I mean, in my body, I'd, I'd sacrifice. Well, you're not left-handed, so. No. Well, I am left-handed, actually. I'm ambidextrous. I throw really? with my right, and I write with my left. Okay. Which Interesting. And I, I bat righty. I just did everything all right. Yeah. So. Uh, so let's go back to spring training really quick. Sure. So, because this has been the first week. We kind of talked about it. So, what, what are you, where are you staying for spring training? Because they've got six different classes of teams. What, what, where do they house you first? Well, the team, um, at least this is from my experience as the car with the Cardinals. They put you up in a hotel, which was just like you know a couple, you know, a couple blocks away from the stadium, um, and which which they provide breakfast there. No, not breakfast. I'm sorry. Um, they would provide like a dinner after spring training was done, but you know, they'll have a bus. They had a couple shuttle buses. And I remember, cause you have to, obviously you have to be there early and on time. And it's like, there's two bus, two or three buses or something, um, that would go at a time. And then they would swing back around. And if you made, if you missed that one, you were late basically. So it was, was like imperative Uber too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So it's either that or you're calling a cab. Right. But yeah, we didn't. You so just much didn't easier being a, being a baseball player now. Yeah. So the first year, yeah, I stayed at the hotel and get the shuttle over there. Or I think a couple of my buddies actually had their cars there, so that would help too. Okay. Um, so it was either one of those two. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, you're there, and then they shuttle you back, and then they have a, have a dinner for you there. Does the team rent out the whole hotel or are you bunked up with let's say the Dodger uh, players or, or no, well, Florida, but no. Whatever. Cause I mean, they're, they're further in they're, Oh yeah. Cause they're in different cities. Huh? Yeah. Well, I guess the, at that time, the Marlins were, we shared a complex with the Marlins. I, they still do at Roger Dean stadium, but um, no, I think the, the hotel was exclusively just for Cardinals players, but I think, I mean, there were other people there too. Right. Ooh, yeah. It was just a regular yeah. hotel. Yeah. You know, in most places now offer breakfast uh, for those type standards, but but you're you're there you're leaving before I think their breakfast is. So what time do you get up most mornings for spring training? I used to get up around four thirty, and I think we'd leave. It was only it only took us like ten fifteen minutes, so we'd be out out. You know, you don't have to really get ready for us. So I think probably like four forty five or something. I mean, I know you're going for the game of baseball, but for for me, there's almost I can never get up at four thirty five thirty. I do all the time. Four thirty, I I can't. So then you're at spring training all day long doing different stuff. What time do you get home? Depends on the day, but you know, but it depends how many pitchers need to throw in your scrimmages and what field you are on. But, um, you know, like I said, after, you know, you do your early work, you do your, um, team fundamentals. Um, you work on your stuff, you hit batting practice, you come in for lunch, you go back out for your scrimmages. Um, either, you know, you, sometimes and you play other other teams too, so they'll come. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you have to go to them too. So like we would go to the close. Um, I think like I remember going to Port St. Lucie to play the Mets. Mets. So some of those days could be a little longer just with traveling. But you know, generally, you know, you you get you start around I think twelve thirty or one probably. And if you're going anywhere from nine to twelve innings, maybe more, depending on the day. Um, so that's, you know, another four hours or so. So you're probably off around four, give or take. And if you do that at an opposing place, then you obviously have to travel back. Unload, so you're at change. a minimum of 12 hours a day, yeah. a minimum of 12 hours a day. Yeah. It's right around there. Yeah. 
Who would you play the most in in besides the Marlins? Marlins. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's you share a stadium. Um, for us, it was the Marlins, the Mets, and the Nationals weren't too far. Okay. I never made a series to to go over there, but I remember them coming to us. I'm trying to think. I think that might be it. So, because you were in low A at that time, the higher the higher guys, double A, triple A, they they play it further away, like uh, the further away teams, like the Yankees and like the the big league games. Yeah, they'll go for for further ones, and and yeah, they'll pull those. Well, like I said, they'll pull some minor league guys um, off of the fields and say, "Hey, and you're going to travel that day." But that was most of those guys that made the travel teams were usually like prospects or mm. like some of the guys who were either had big league time and usually more experienced players. So when you were how, that first year, how many times did you get pulled off of the field to play in a major league game? That first year, I think it was either I think once the first year and the second year I got pulled twice. And when you go the uh you go into the major league clubhouse yeah which is well and for me each time it was like they pulled me off the field so everybody all the guys in the big leagues were already out warming up and they pulled me on there like they give you the big league jersey a big league hat um you're a big boy now yeah yeah it's pretty nerve-wracking you're like (laughs) do do the nerves just flow like crap crap well yeah and and that's not even you're not even like set to start or anything you know right you're there as a bench guy yeah to fill in but it's still kind of nerve wracking I mean it's a, it's just a cool atmosphere because like immediately you're on the backfield with a bunch of you know for me it was like you know minor league guys and you your peers around your same age and then um, you get pulled up and then all of a sudden it's like you're right in the dugout with Yadier Molina and Pujols was still on the team no no, oh, no he, he had just gone so do you, do you ever did you get a chance to talk to any of the major league guys and pick their brains? The first the- guy who came up to me, that was the, well, Jaime Garcia was the first guy to come up to me, Okay, but he came up and he was just messing with me. Like he was trying to do like, Oh, Hey, what's up, man. And then he kind of like, Oh, kind of like just mess <laughs> with me that way. And like, I just kind of wore it and I was like, Oh yeah. You know, but no, then he was, he was cool. He shook my hand. Um, but I think they kind of, that's something they do to like everybody, every minor league guy who probably right. is just, you know, they in see their, the their eyes open. Yeah. Um, he talked to me. Um, let's see. I, I went and, or I think I talked to Alan Craig for a little bit. I was on the bench and he actually came and sat next to me. And then I brought up something like, Hey, I know he's a, he's a Southern California guy. So we started talking. I just said, Oh yeah, I know. Um, you know, I think he's, he was born in Mission Viejo, but I think he grew up around here. So we started talking about that. Um, but the guy who was the most like interactive was Greg Garcia. Um, I think he knew he's, he's around the same age as I was, but he was a, he was a couple levels higher than I was, but he came up and was just like, Hey dude. Okay. I know you're probably like a little, a little rattled, but Hey, you know, just kind of, you can kind of take in the game right now. Um, he's like, but around the sixth inning, fifth, sixth inning, maybe start to like, just loosen up a little bit and just be ready. Um, just like look ready. And, um, you know, either be ready to hit or run, but they're going to get those guys out. So we're going to be going in. So, right. And that was before I think he was in the big leagues was he was in triple a at that point, double a, triple a who's manager. Cause I thought Matheny Matheny was the, was the manager. Um, yeah. 
Mike Matheny was the manager. So I, I went and talked to him though, like as I reported to the field, I just said, Hey, you know, and, and I had talked to him actually the, the season prior when I was in rookie ball, um, Matheny was our roving catching instructor. Mm -hmm. So that's the guy that goes for each position. They kind of have like, um, a roving instructor who will travel to every single minor league spot and just mm -hmm. check in on those position guys. And then they kind of report just so like, you know, they have eyes all over the place. Right. So Matheny was our guy. And I, I actually talked to him a bunch when we were, when I was in rookie ball, just kind of, um, in the dugout and stuff. And he was a really cool guy. So I, I, at least it was, there was some familiarity there. At, um, just at least. Yeah. I, I always mix him and, uh, Osmus up and then I feel bad for Osmus <laughs> with what happened. Yeah. So you got your one game. Did you think you were going to get called up again? Like, was it early in spring training or late? Um, that's a good question. I can't remember. Like if you're like, if it's week two and you're, it was, like, I think it was a little earlier. It was earlier because I think the big league guys are not playing full, you know, nine innings. And what or did you seven. do in that game? That one, I went in defensively and, or no, I went into pinch run for, I think it was Ty Wigington and he was playing third. So then I pinch ran for him. Actually, it's like one of those moments, like they, I forget who it was, Ryan Garcia, or Ryan Jackson, I'm sorry, was hitting, smoked one in the gap, and I'm on first, it's less than two outs, and I run, 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 I'm like, I'm like, this ball's in the gap, I'm about to score, and I round second, and I'm going, guy lays out and dives and makes like a sick catch, and I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, I got to like come all the way back around and made, made sure I retouched second base, right. made it back to first, and then I can't remember, I think I ended up scoring later with the go-ahead run, okay. um, but... No, I went there and I played third and I think I made the last out of the game. Got a ground ball. So I did well. And so I was kind of like, oh, you know, I mean, obviously it doesn't, it's just a spring training game, but right. Um, it gave me a little bit of confidence for the next couple that I played in. What, what was the reaction like from your roommates when you got back to the house that night? Nothing really. I mean, okay. I didn't know they were like, that's cool. No. Nah, because a couple of, I mean, it wasn't always just like me. I, a couple of my other buddies, they got called up for, for, for games also. Do pitchers get, pitchers get called up more, right? Yeah. And I think earlier on they do probably because they need guys to eat innings. Um, you know, they obviously don't want their, their, uh, some of those guys or they're not ready to be going out. So you need more inning eaters. Right. But it's also a good opportunity for, for them to see some of the, the younger, you know, the prospects. Yeah. All right. Well, and then, so that continued on. Let's wrap up your first spring training. I'm sure we'll catch another spring training another time. So you basically had 12 hour days, go a few weeks, you know, the season's gonna, do they sit, do they sit down at some point and say, which, which roster you're going to be on? You kind of have, they don't, nobody really says anything. I mean, there's, there's, I think there's like a point where if I remember correctly, like they kind of make like slow, like a couple cuts, like you could, you know, they'll happen. And then there's like one last one where, you know, like there's a day where there there's, you can, you can do the math. You can, you kind of have an idea who's going where. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you kind of look and you go, okay, well he, basically here are the two guys that are on the chopping block. And then, you know, they obviously kind of get chopped to complex. What do you mean? Complex league? No, sometimes they'll just, they'll just cut you or just outright. Oh. Um, and then like a couple that happened to a couple of guys, like they just, they they were released immediately. And then, um, but they got picked up by somebody else. And, um, 
that happened a couple of one of my good buddies who I was like for sure gonna make the team got got cut like the day before we were breaking camp and so it's it's just yeah that's such a rough thing yeah he was he was pretty bummed because he had I mean it's so weird because he had an unreal spring too he was mashing the ball uh, his name was Chris Edmondson hmm. lefty from New York but um, yeah just out of nowhere they 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 let him go and he immediately went and signed with the Braves so. Gotta go with the flow. Gotta go with your dream. Well, you never actually got cut, right? You just not you until just my not until that off season, and I knew it was coming. So right. Um, now I had a good idea. Okay. Um, so you you then spend that first spring training. You get assigned to uh, after that. Yeah, I went to Quad Cities, which is Low A. Right. And uh, what do you do to prep? You'd never been to uh, Iowa, Iowa before. Uh, and I know it's part of your life now. Yeah. What, what yeah, for all of you listening, I ended up, I met my wife that year in, in Iowa. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely part of my life. Cool. So, um, you left, you're a Southern California kid. You played one year in Florida. Um, uh, you, I, you played spring training in Florida, but you're actually moving and in a way kind of living in Iowa. That's kind of weird. Yeah, but you know, you do your research too because you obviously know where each level is. So it's like you know, I went and looked up where every level, what city they're in. You know, what, I just kind of like did a little bit of research. How far just, away the McDonald's is from the stadium and all that? Pretty much one, not too far actually. But um, no, I mean, you do a little bit of a research, so you're kind of know what to expect. But still, I mean, I had never been to Iowa before, um, and it, it was just you know, I heard and it's for flat. Iowa. For, yes, Iowa is completely flat, and there's not much. A lot of farm, obviously, a lot of corn. But where we were in Davenport, and my wife will appreciate me saying this because it was definitely more of like a like a city feel, and it wasn't like a farm. It was definitely more of like a like a downtown. So you had a Chipotle. We did, but I th- yeah, we had a Chipotle, but it was a little bit fur- farther. So I think you could afford it on twelve hundred bucks a month. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely stuck to the fast food lifestyle. I think there just because it was cheap or cheap and quick. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll cover. I think I really wanted to cover now that we're kind of past spring training. Cut. Koa, not right now, buddy. Carter, Koa. Koa. Okay, give me one second. Okay. Ten minutes. No, we only need a minute. I'll only one minute. minute, okay? Yeah, I'll bring it up to you, but you got to be quiet, okay? Okay. So that I think wraps it up for your spring training. I I really want to get into in another episode, probably as a standalone, uh, the kind of the high and low that we talked about. Your your quad cities, you get moved on to uh high a mm-hmm. at some point and how that transitions from a great start to not so great finish but that'll probably work for a different episode yeah we could probably spend a whole episode talking about that because <laughs> that will bring in a lot of the mental game like we've obviously discussed on on prior podcasts and um you know um where i thought i could have done differently what or what i could have done differently knowing what i know now got it all right well I think that wraps it up for this episode. Yep. 
thank you guys for listening. And if you're watching in on YouTube, please, um, if you could just give us a, a like and a subscribe, um, to keep us going. So, um, yeah, we appreciate everyone listening. Thank you guys. Number next one's number seven. And less. Yeah. Next one's number seven. You had an interesting stat about number seven. Yeah. So we'll cover that stat top of next episode. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks.